It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And welcome back to the Disney World Today podcast. I am your ghost host for the day, Kevin Pope. We're back with another episode. I'm excited. I hope you guys are as well. For all of my returning listeners, you guys know how this goes. You guys are the best. I love you guys. For my new listeners, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy listening to me talk a little Disney. Uh, My goal is to just bring a little Disney magic to you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Um, Because if you're like me, you're just an average Disney fan going to work, wishing you're at Disney. So maybe you're listening to this in traffic, on your way home from work, at the gym, doing chores around the house, whatever it is. I hope I can bring a little Disney magic to you. If you can, if you haven't already, follow me on Instagram and TikTok Disney World Today. I also have a YouTube, but the main two are Instagram and TikTok. My DMs are always open on Instagram, so if you want, head on over. Uh, check out my page. I got some new reels up, some new Disney-inspired reels and TikToks. And, you know, if you ever want to shoot me a message, talk a little Disney. If you have ideas or suggestions for the show, uh, hit me up there. Or if you just want to talk about life, sports, movies, doesn't matter, uh, feel free to reach out. Love talking with you guys. And if you can, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, um, if you're listening on Spotify, they don't have like a, a review section, uh, but you can leave a rating. Apple, uh, if you write me a review, I always appreciate those. I'll give you a shout out on the very next episode. All right, now that we got all of that fun stuff out of the way, I hope everyone had a fun and safe and happy Halloween. Halloween is now behind us. It's in the rearview mirror. And now we got Thanksgiving a few weeks away, Christmas right after that, even though I got to say, not to go off on a tangent, it just seems like a lot of people just blow right past and skip Thanksgiving and are already in Christmas mode. Like, there's a radio station here in Chicago, 93.9 The Light. They're already playing Christmas music. They're playing Christmas music the day after Halloween, November 1st. Like, I get that people want to be in the mood, they want to celebrate, they love Christmas, but can we can we get to Thanksgiving first? <laughs> you know, it's... I, I can't get into the Christmas spirit until Thanksgiving. That, that's me personally, not to be a Scrooge McDuck, but that's just kind of ho- how I've always been. Um, I remember back in the day, like my sister would want to start like decorating the house for Christmas and put up the Christmas tree like right after Halloween. And I had a strict rule, you know, you can start getting stuff ready and situated and little things here and there, but the Christmas tree is not going up until Thanksgiving or at least that week. Uh, so that was always a big thing for me. I just... You know, it feels like we just skip right past it, you know, as a society, we're like always looking ahead instead of just like enjoying the moment. That's kind of just how I feel, um, you know, but Halloween's done, Thanksgiving, then Christmas, uh, we're right, you know, coming up in the heart of the holidays here. Uh, we'll be here before we know it. Currently right now in Chicago, it's 71 degrees. It's Wow. I'm a little worried though because I feel like we're having this like nice warmer weather now and it's going to be just a long cold snowy winter so I am scared about that but 71 degrees the same year that Walt Disney World opened maybe that's a sign that this is going to be a good podcast I think so 
Last week we talked about the haunted mansion. I kind of finished up my little um, my little Halloween themed arc there with uh, you know the a few episodes there in October were all Halloween themed. Uh, we talked about the haunted mansion, some personal stories, why it's iconic, a little history about the attraction. And of course, the movies, the song, everything like that. It's a fun little episode. It's not like exactly a deep dive, uh, but I'd say it's like a medium dive uh, into the Haunted Mansion attraction. Uh, check it out if you haven't listened. It's it's available everywhere. But this week, we got a fun one. I had a lot of fun uh, doing this one and coming up with my research. This week, we're talking things at Walt Disney World you forgot existed. Now, this one, I know you guys listening... Probably 99% of you guys are Disney diehards. You're diehard fans. So the list is probably going to be things you remember. But it's more of like things that existed at Walt Disney World that like didn't last long. Maybe you did forget existed. Maybe like a casual fan like would have never heard of. Um, you know, maybe it's things that you think about now and you're like, how did that exist? Uh, so it's going to be fun. We're going to get into it. That's all I got for this intro. Here we go. Your attention, please. The Walt Disney World Railroad, now boarding for a scenic trip around the Magic Kingdom. Board. So I was originally just going to do things at Walt Disney World you forgot existed, um, but as I was doing my research, I came up with about 10. So we're going to do 10 things at Walt Disney World you forgot existed. And like I said in the intro, you're a Disney diehard listening. You, There's a good chance, yeah, you you remember it. You, you know what I'm talking about. But it's just like one of those things like... Um, What's like the phrase, like fever dream? Like you can't, sometimes you kind of forget, like, was that actually real? Did that actually happen? Was that actually there? That's kind of how I came up with this list. You know, things you may have forgotten existed, things that only has existed for a short time, things you can't believe actually existed at Walt Disney World. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I came up with 10. Are they in order? I I don't know if they're exactly in like a, an, uh, like a top 10 order where, you know, usually like number one's like the big one. I'll try to uh, kind of keep them somewhat uh, in, in an order, but 10 things. Um, and to start us off, let's head over to the Magic Kingdom. My number 10 is the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. Now, if you know Disney, you know the Tiki Room. You know the Enchanted Tiki Room is an iconic attraction. It's been around since the park opened. It's, it's a staple of the Magic Kingdom. It really is. Whether it's a, a good attraction or not, you know, now in 2022 is a separate, uh, separate argument. But it's iconic. It's been around forever. But I think sometimes people forget that there is a small stretch there where they changed it. Disney changed it. It was, it was closed and refurbished and brought back as the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. And it starred Zazu and Iago, the, the birds from Aladdin and Lion King. And pretty much the, the show premise was them, you know, taking over the Tiki Room, taking over the show. Um, they make a lot of jokes about how it's the show has been the same forever. You know, it's 
know, new blood. We're these two new famous birds. We're going to take over the show. We're going to come up with some new songs. Um, and it was, it was there for such a short time. It was themed as under new management from like 1998 to, you know, 2011 there. And this was one of those attractions where this is the first time I remember them, you know, Disney making a change and the outcry from the Disney fans, um, you know, the Disney community to, you know, like just they didn't enjoy it. They didn't like it. They made their voices hurt and Disney actually, you know, listened and changed it back. And I think that's why it's one of those things that's easy to forget existed is because it was the Tiki Room for so long, you know, even going back to like Disneyland, you know, 1963, the first, you know, Enchanted Tiki Room attraction opened at Disneyland. 1998, it closes, gets changed, comes back and is there for, you know, roughly 12 years. And then it gets changed exactly back to what it used to be. So it's easy to forget when, you know, maybe from 98 to 2011, like you only went to Disney one or two times, you probably can easily forget that it was different, that there was these two new birds, Zazu and Iago, and it was more of a comedy show and that it wasn't the original attraction. It's easy to forget that, um, you know, when they, they literally, <laughs> they brought it back exactly how it was. And that's a rare case for Disney. It's like I said, that's the first time I remember that happening. And until recently, I don't think it's happened. You know, they're they're bringing back Happily Ever After. And that's like the only thing I can think of that's kind of close. Like something that was beloved. Disney took it away, changed it. Us Disney diehards, the Disney fans, the Disney community, we expressed our voices. We we said, hey, we don't like this. So Disney listened and, and brought it back. Um, and that's one of those, like, was the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management? Was it a bad attraction? I don't think so. I think it was just people were upset that, you know, this iconic attraction was changed. It was kind of made into, um, I don't want to say a joke, but it was definitely kind of made into a joke with the two birds taking over, taking over this old attraction. You know, they were putting in intellectual properties, you know, the IP that uh, the Disney CEOs love and want to put everywhere. But this is in a different time. This is 1998. Like, original attractions were still the go-to. Here's these two birds from, you know, the movies, like, put into this original attraction. People were upset. And to give Disney some credit there, they listened and they changed it back. Uh, but for that brief time, it was under new management. And if you, like I said, if you didn't go to Disney from 98 to 2011 or only went a few times, you easily could have forgotten that it existed. So rightfully so, I think it deserves a spot on the list, the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. For my number nine pick, let's head on over to Epcot. My number nine pick is snow. That's right, there was snow at Disney World. Where exactly? The old Club Cool building uh, on the back side of Epcot there. It was right across the fountain. Um, back in the day, the Club Cool was still, you know, sponsored by Coca-Cola. It was still the same thing where, you know, you could walk in and you could try a bunch of different, you know, sodas from around the world. 
Um, if you wanted to, you could go in, you could try some Beverly. Uh, that was always a, uh, a pleasant experience, but it was different. It was themed. Back then, it was themed after, I believe, like an old like outpost or something like that, like excavation team, outpost, something like that. But you would walk in, it was, it was like a giant igloo entrance, and you'd walk in, and it would be freezing cold. And as you kept walking, there was a uh, like caveman frozen in ice that you would walk past before going into like the, the main like tasting building. Um, There's a caveman in ice. And like on the ground and all around like the walls was snow. And as a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing ever because I remember one time we went in there, we're hanging out. I was probably like 10 years old. My, my cousins are there and me and my cousin are, are, you know, goofing around, having fun. And I picked up a snowball. I picked up some snow. I made it into a snowball and chased him out of the exit and hit him with a snowball um, kind of like on the back side of the building, which was kind of like facing like test track. And like forever, I would brag to my friends that I threw a snowball at Walt Disney World. Now, this number nine pick, yeah, I, I said snow, but it's mostly like remembering like the old Club Cool building. If you don't remember, if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out on YouTube. Uh, it was just so cool how it was themed. Like, you know, they redid it years later and it was just a standard like storefront with, you know, sliding doors. But before then, like you had to walk through like this almost like igloo tunnel that was freezing. There was snow. There was a frozen caveman in ice to uh, get to the club cool. And I thought that was always so cool. And I bragged for a long time that I was one of the few people, if maybe the only one, that uh, threw a snowball at Walt Disney World. For number eight. Let's move on to Animal Kingdom. This one was one of my favorites when I was a kid, and I never knew why really that they changed it. But my number eight is the poaching scenes from Kilimanjaro Safari at Animal Kingdom. This was something that made the ride even more special and unique, I think. So if you're not familiar, Kilimanjaro Safari... It's the same same ride that it's always been. It, you know, you, you load onto the giant uh, uh, Jeeps and you go on a tour and it's like a safari. You get to see a bunch of animals. Back in the day, and you know, like when the park first opened, they added uh, another storyline to it where as you're on this like safari, a bunch of poachers uh, steal an elephant away from its mom. And you, you know, the driver kind of plays along, obviously, and it's up to, to you guys to help track down the poachers and stop them. Uh, there's like safari, you know, like rangers that are out there. And like, I, I still remember riding this for, you know, probably the first time. And it's already a, a crazy experience to see all these animals. We're on the ride and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the cast member who's driving us and directing us is playing along, you know, that there's poachers. I thought it was real. I thought it was really happening that someone was stealing this elephant, you know, away from its mom. And it added a little bit of excitement. Um, obviously, you know, to an adult, maybe it's unnecessary. But to me, you know, I was the perfect, uh, you know, test subject, like 10-year-old kid going on a safari 
poaching storyline, I thought it was real. I was happy and excited when we helped catch the poachers. And I think and I believe that originally at the end of the, the attraction, at the end of the, you know, the ride, you would see they had like live cast members like kind of pretending to be like the rangers or, you know, the poachers. So it seemed legit. It seemed real. And, you know, they probably got rid of it because maybe it was too, you know, I don't want to say scary, but maybe just too uh, edgy. You know, maybe poaching, you know, poaching is a big problem. It's something I, it bothers me so much, but it also did kind of bring awareness. Like, look at, like, look at my thought process now. You know, I, I can't stand poaching. That stuff bothers me. I donate whenever I can. And it's probably because of this attraction in, you know, when I wrote it in like year 1999 or 2000 with the poaching, you know, storyline. And it's, it's one of those things like you can kind of see the elements of it. They, they stopped it a long time ago, but the elements were still kind of there. You'd see like the Jeep, you'd see like in the pre-ride video. I don't remember his name, but he would kind of talk about poaching and stuff. And me and my family, whenever we talk about poaching, we kind of always quote him and say, you know, that I'll poach us. Just the way he says it, poaches, uh, is always kind of stuck in my head. So if you don't remember this one, again, I'm sure a lot of this stuff is on YouTube. It was fun. It was exciting. It added a little bit to the attraction. But my number eight pick is the poaching storyline from Kilimanjaro Safari. Let's move right along now to my number seven pick. This one brings us to Hollywood Studios. My number seven pick Sounds Dangerous with Drew Carey. That's right. Drew Carey had his own attraction <laughs> at Walt Disney World. Now, for again, for us Disney diehards, you're probably th- listening to this thinking, uh, yeah, you know, I remember that. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Think just it's 2022. Let's just think about this for a second. The guy that hosts The Price is Right had his own attraction at Walt Disney World. Like, this is a weird one. This is one of those where maybe a younger fan or, you know, someone who became a Disney fan kind of later in life, they're probably sitting back and thinking to themselves, how? How did Drew Carey have an attraction at Hollywood Studios. Like, it wasn't like it was like a guest appearance. It wasn't like, you know, anything like that. The the show, the ride was him. It was centered around him. There was a billboard in the park with Drew Carey on it. And the attraction itself was a unique one. It was interesting. You know, it was was pretty much like a show. Uh, Basically, you would go... um, you know, in like a theater, and it was a story revolved, uh, kind of revolved around Drew Carey played like a like a cop or an undercover agent, and uh, you know he goes over undercover to trying to find out some stuff like I don't know someone's like smuggling drugs or, or something crazy like that. And what made the show unique was that most of it was in the dark, and you just basically would listen to the story and. They would mess with like the sound and stuff. So there's a scene in the show where, um, okay, so what happens is uh, Drew Carey goes undercover and he's got like a 
uh, a hidden camera on his vest and at some point it gets like it shorts out so all you can hear is the audio and the theater's pitch black and like he goes in and he gets a haircut and it sounds like the scissors are right by your ear like you're getting a haircut and that's kind of what the show was about like sound effects and messing with audio and stuff like that but it's drew carey it's the guy that hosts the price is right i even though he's the host like i don't think he's an a-list celebrity or b-list celebrity right c-list maybe you know back in the day when this attraction came out he had his own sitcom the drew carey show which was which was really popular he was popular there for a while um but it's just it's just so weird to think about that drew carey had an attraction at walt disney world you, you know younger fans i don't know if people you know still kind of watch the prices right as much i know for me growing up it was like Whenever you were, like, sick from school, you know, you would watch it. But Drew Carey, star of a Walt Disney World attraction. Like, that's just crazy to think about. Um, it's like one of those celebrities maybe you wouldn't, would never guess would be affiliated with Disney. You know, I don't think he's done anything since. Like, back then, I, I believe he did a Pinocchio live-action movie. And I think it was uh, Disney. Uh, but I could be wrong, but... There was a brief stretch where he was kind of involved with Disney. So I had to put it on this list because it's one of those where if you, like I said, if you're a younger fan or if you're a, a Disney fan that's kind of uh, became a fan like later in life, Drew Carey having his own attraction, I think would be crazy to think about. So that's why he's on my list. It, it had to be my number six pick. This one, this one is a random one. This one's weird. But it's something I always kind of think about, and it's hard to picture and imagine now. And it wasn't there for too long. But my number six pick is the Epcot Resorts Tram. Back in the day, there used to be a tram that would take you from the Epcot Resorts to the International Gateway, that back entrance to Epcot where the Skyliner is now. There was a tram that took guests from Boardwalk Yacht and Beach and the Swan and Dolphin and would drop them off at that international gateway. That's weird to think about now because it was it's been gone for so long. But how cool is that? There was a tram that would take you from, you know, the boardwalk. Let's say you're staying at the boardwalk, you know, you'd hop on the tram, it would drop you off at the international gateway or the swan and dolphin. You don't have to make that walk. I believe they still had the boats running, you know, so they had, you could get there by either walking boats or a tram. And it was your standard Disney tram. It was like the same ones that, you know, pick you up and drop you off, like in the parking lot. Um, if you can imagine before they uh, put in the Skyliner um, kind of station there, right at the International Gateway at that back entrance, there was a lot of land back there. There's like the bathrooms and then there was this weird grass parkway with nothing around it. That's where the tram would drop off the guests and turn around, you know, and head back to the resorts. And it's one of those things, it was, it's been gone for so long, unless you were staying at the, you know, Epcot resorts, maybe you didn't even know it existed. But I always thought that was cool. I always thought, um, you know, there's, there was that grass parkway I talked about. It was just a big grass, you know, big square grass, you know, space. I always wanted to like play catch there. It sounds weird, 
but I, if you guys have listened for a while, like I love playing catch, whether it's with a football, a baseball, whatever. Like I always wanted to, you know, stay at the boardwalk, you know, pack a football and like go down there with like my dad or my cousin or a buddy and just play catch there on the grass right outside the entrance to Epcot and just listen to the music and see the sights, see the sounds. And the reason why that was there is because it was for the tram. So it's a weird one. It's a random one. There's some pretty cool pictures of the tram, like picking up people and driving around the uh, the boardwalk area there. So it had to make my list. And uh, number six, the tram at the Epcot Resorts. For my number five, yep, we made it to the top five already. My number five pick is ESPN The Weekend. This is one of my all-time favorite events. And this is an event at Disney, I feel like, really wasn't promoted too much you know maybe because it's you know sports related and it's kind of a niche group um but espn the weekend was something that ran in the early to mid 2000s basically for you know a weekend uh espn would kind of set up shop around the walt disney world resort and do all of their shows live from there they would provide a bunch of fan experiences. There would be celebrity and athlete meet and greets and games. And as someone who is a huge sports fan, like my favorite things in life are Disney and sports. This was one of the greatest things for me. Um, and I was lucky enough to uh, experience it one time. Uh, one time I was there while the weekend experience was going on. And that's the thing too, like my whole family is a sports family. Like both my parents were athletes. My sister is an athlete. I played sports and you know, so we're huge sports fans. Like I don't think we knew ahead of time that it was even going on. Like that's how much it wasn't really promoted. So quick story time. This is 2004 and I believe it was the first one. We're down at Disney. ESPN the weekend is going on and we're at Hollywood studios and towards the end of the night, they are filming Baseball Tonight live underneath the Sorcerer Mickey hat uh, in front of the great movie ride. And it's live TV. They're filming Baseball Tonight. It's July 31st. It's the Major League Baseball trading deadline. It's a big deal. Um, and so me and my, my dad, like for the entire length of the show, we're in the background of baseball tonight. I'm standing on top of a garbage can. He's standing there. We're waving our hands. We're yelling, go Cubs. We're doing all this stuff. And we find out live there as we're watching the live show that the Cubs had just traded for Nomar Garcia Parra. 14-year-old Kevin, this was, this was my heaven. I'm at Disney World. It's summer. And the Cubs just traded for Nomar Garcia Parra, like one of the best players of that generation. I could not believe it. We found out live on TV there. We're in the background. We're pumped. Um, and I remember, too, like the day before, my mom's cell phone got wet on one of the water rides. I think it was Splash Mountain. So it, it didn't work. My mom's cell phone didn't work. So we literally we couldn't call people to be like, hey, turn on ESPN. We're going to be in the background all night. Uh, I remember like trying to do that. Like we wanted to call my grandpa. We wanted to call my uncle, you know, friends. Uh, so luckily enough, my uncle is a big baseball fan. He's watching baseball tonight. Cause it's the trade, trade deadline special. 
he sees me and my dad in the background and uh, busted out the old VCR and actually recorded. So I have a VHS tape of me and my dad in the background of Baseball Tonight uh, finding out that the Cubs just traded for Nomar Garciaparra, and it's one of the greatest moments of my life. But basically the weekend, you know, they would they would do a bunch of stuff like that. They would film their shows. They had a lot of games and, like, activities and, like, uh, little pop-up uh, exhibits and stuff. Like, you could go and, like, you know, one of them, they had, like, a bunch of, like, cutouts of NBA players, and you can see, you know, you could stand next to them and see how tall they are, see, like, their wingspans. I remember they had a free throw shooting contest there. Uh, me and my dad entered, and I remember my dad beat me in the free throw contest, and he got this cool NBA hat. Uh, they were filming shows, like some of the athletes and ESPN personalities were in the parade. So ESPN The Weekend, one of my all-time favorite Disney activities. And I think after that first year, they started doing it like in February. And it only lasted a few years and it just kind of went away. And, you know, it's something I'll always miss. And those are memories that I'll always cherish. And again, I think it wasn't really promoted as much. Like imagine being at, you know, Disney and all your favorite athletes are just kind of walking around and doing live shows and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. So number five, ESPN, The Weekend. My number four pick here may be a little controversial because this was something that was super popular that I feel like most of us listening know and remember or at least know of, but I feel like it is still somewhat forgotten. My number four pick is River Country. That's right, the original Walt Disney World water park. I feel like it's forgotten for a few reasons. I feel like it's forgotten because of what happened to it. Like River Country was, you know, the original water park. It was there on Fort Wilderness grounds. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of a thing before water parks really became popular. Like, you know, everyone would go to the pool, like kids would go to the pool, like that was a fun activity, but it was a water park and it was at Disney and it was themed like the old watering hole, you know, and what happened to it is that it closed and then Disney just let it sit and pretend, Disney pretended like it didn't exist. They let it sit abandoned for a decade, for years, and it became, you know, I... I feel like it became popular as the abandoned water park, not for River Country, the water park, if that makes sense. Like River Country, the water park, I feel like is forgotten because of what happened. Like it closed. And even when it closed, I think, I think officially it closed in like 2001 or 2000, like something in the mid 2000s, but that's not accurate. It, it, that's when it officially closed. Like it was closed long before that. Now, I remember only going when I was like, maybe three or four years old because once you know typhoon lagoon and blizzard beach kind of opened and became more popular like everyone just went to those two water parks and just think about how crazy that is like it would be like in 30 years if typhoon lagoon closed was closed and would just sat empty and was overgrown with plants and weeds and standing water and everything was run down and falling apart that was river country. That's what they let happen to it. Disney pretended like it didn't exist anymore. And they just let it sit dormant. Um, like eventually, like years later, they finally at least filled in all like the pools with sand and dirt. I think because of like West Nile, because it was just standing water. 
you know, and people would get famous on YouTube for, for going and exploring. And it was just a whole thing. And I think river country, the water park, you know, is forgotten. Like people don't talk about it being like this fun, um, original water park and the rope swings and different slides and the lake water. They talk about river country, the abandoned place that they saw on YouTube. So yeah, is it, you know, I, I wanted to include it and I wasn't sure whether or not to put it on the list or put it in the honorable mentions or not talk about it at all. But River Country, the water park, I think you could argue uh, is forgotten. All right, so we made it to the top three now or the bottom three, however you want to say it. My number three pick, I hope you guys remember this one, even though the episode is all about things you forgot. My number three pick is riding in front of the monorail. That's right. Back in the day, you could ride in the front car of the monorail. You could actually sit with the driver, the conductor, and sit up there and look through the, the window and ride in front of the monorail. This was a big deal to me as a kid. And for a while there, they would give you um, like a pin and a card that basically, I think like the card said like, honorary monorail conductor for the day um you know the monorail pin or button was kind of like also back in the day um like a pilot on an airplane would give you like these like fake wings uh is like a button and this was so cool as a little kid to be able to sit up there and to kind of see um you know see like the route of the monorail from a different perspective you know, you could sit up front. It, was, it wasn't a, a big area, a big seating area. You could probably only fit like three or four. And they wouldn't just pick random people. They would pick like kids and like their parents or like a small little family. And I was lucky enough to ride up there a few times. I know one time like me, my sister and my cousins got to sit up there. And another time I got to sit with my dad. And I know he, he probably loved that, you know, more than I did at 10 years old. Um, and I know my mom has like the card and like the pin still like kind of packed away somewhere. But to sit up front on the monorail, just you, you know, just maybe two or three of you and, you know, the conductor, the driver. And it wasn't like there was anything that separated you like from like the driver. Like you sat on a seat, like the same type of seat. And he just sat, kind of sat like two feet away from you, like in his little conductor's chair, like with like all the buttons and throttle and, and, and stuff like that. And I'm, I don't know exactly when they stopped it, but I know for sure it was after the monorail accident, the crash, because obviously after that happened, you know, the driver passed away. Um, they weren't going to have, you know, random kids or, or family sit up there anymore. So back in the day, I feel like this one pretty easily forgotten, but you could sit up front, um, it was pretty rare. Like you had to like ask and, you know, maybe if they were nice or they were allowed to, they would let you sit up there. Um, so it was a big deal. It was exclusive. It made you feel so cool. And I feel like it's not talked about a lot anymore. And now, you know, what makes it forgotten is like, that'll never happen again. You know, they'll never take that liability risk and have, you know, random guests and kids just kind of sit up there with the actual cast member who's driving the monorail. For my number two pick, this one's like the definition of a fever dream to me because I have this, this weird memory, this weird visual I can still picture in my head. But my number two is McDonald's French fries. 
Now, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're like you're probably thinking right now, like, what are you talking about? Are you hungry? Chicken McNuggets? No. Back in the day, they used to sell McDonald's French fries in the Disney theme parks. Like, this isn't that long ago. This had to be, you know, the early 2000s. And, you know, uh, Disney has had a working relationship with McDonald's. Um, you know, there's that McDonald's that's on property. It was there forever. Uh, they they tore it down and built a brand new one over there by Animal Kingdom. There used to be a McDonald's by Crossroads. And, you know, McDonald's had sponsored some stuff for them as well. But McDonald's and Disney, they struck a partnership. They sold French fries in the parks. The, the same exact McDonald's French fries. And the visual, the image that I have burned in my head for some reason is being a kid walking off Splash Mountain, um, kind of if you walk to the right, kind of like you're going to go from like Splash Mountain to Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, across, right across from Pecos Bill, there was a small little cart. They sold the McDonald's french fries there. I remember getting french fries from that cart. And it's just weird to think about, you know, it's such a random food uh, and a random fast food to have in, you know, at Disney. You know, you kind of think of Disney as more kind of exclusive and, um, you know, I don't want to say fancy, but, you know, not fast food. Or they try not to be like fast food. And here they are selling McDonald's, you know, in their parks. And I'm pretty sure also at Animal Kingdom, they had some, they sold McDonald's there as well. Um, kind of over there by, uh, it was Donald's, Donald Duck's like breakfast, Arontosaurus, or Restaurantosaurus, something like that. They sold McDonald's over there as well. So McDonald's was in the parks. It was everywhere. And just, just walking around with McDonald's french fries in the Magic Kingdom is something that is very weird to me. It didn't last very long, um, and I think it's kind of forgotten. You know, you kind of forget that you could just kind of walk around Frontierland with McDonald's french fries. Like, that's weird to me. Um, and I, I had to put it on this list because of that that visual I have is of walking off Splash Mountain seeing people with McDonald's french fries. It's weird to see. It's weird to picture. And uh, I think that's why it deserves a spot on this list. All right, so for my number one, maybe you're asking yourself, you already talked about McDonald's french fries and co-piloting the monorail. What could be number one? Like I said, I, it's hard to put this in order, but this one was number one to me. My number one, professional wrestling. Now for this one, if you're a casual fan or maybe not a fan of wrestling at all, I still believe that you have heard of WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, you know, Vince McMahon. If you're older, you know names like Stone Cold and The Rock and uh, Triple H. And if you're a newer fan, maybe you know like John Cena. But professional wrestling used to be at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now, this was not to get super wrestling nerdy, but if you haven't noticed, I am somewhat of a wrestling fan. I don't really watch it week to week anymore, but I do kind of keep up with it on Twitter you know, I'll, I'll put it on in the background every once in a while, but I do like kind of watching a lot of the old stuff still. Like, I grew up a huge wrestling fan. Like, I grew up as a, you know, like a five-year-old in the 90s. Like, that's 1995. But I grew up, like, watching wrestling tapes from the 80s. I always liked old stuff. So I kind of consider myself um, pretty knowledgeable when it comes to old wrestling. Uh, so to give, like, a little background, 
pretty much back in the 90s, there was two main wrestling companies, WWE, which was known as WWF at the time, and its rival WCW, World Championship Wrestling. It was owned by Ted Turner, the same guy that owned the Atlanta Braves, TBS, TNT, CNN, like that guy. He, he had his own wrestling company. And it was always kind of number two to WWE. But one special day, WCW signs a guy by the name of Hulk Hogan. Now, Hulk Hogan is like the Michael Jordan of wrestling, global sensation, super popular. Everyone knows the Hulkster. Back in the day, he signs a contract. He, he leaves WWE. He signs with their rival company, WCW. This is kind of like if, um, man, how can I, how can I put in the words for people who don't kind of follow wrestling? This would have been like if, um, oh man, I don't know this is tough. So like if, you know, Tom Brady left the NFL to go play in a different league, like the XFL or the arena football league, that's kind of how it is. Uh, so Hulk Hogan signs with WCW. They have a parade for the signing, they have a parade and a press conference at Hollywood Studios on the streets of America. They have a parade, he's a ticker tape parade. They have a press conference afterwards. And at this time, WCW is taping and filming live wrestling shows, Saturday Night Wrestling, uh, from Hollywood Studios, from Disney World. And this was a this was a big deal. This is like I said, the Michael Jordan of wrestling just signs with your company and you know pretty much your home is Disney World you're filming at Disney on the sound stages there at Hollywood Studios they had a parade for Hulk Hogan at Disney World and a press conference like think about how crazy that is to think about um and you know I don't know the schedule for their wrestling tapings but they would you know film live wrestling that would appear on you know TBS they would film it there at Disney you know, they would have a bunch of shows there. There'd be wrestlers walking around the parks. Like one time, uh, me and my dad ran into this wrestler named Booker T on the Backlot Tour ride. He was just hanging out in between tapings. Um, and just to kind of, the, the stigma of professional wrestling would never, never be associated with Disney today. Like, I, you know, it's probably a little too edgy for them, too violent, and... I don't think they would ever do that again. Um, you know, if you kind of remember, Universal Studios Orlando used to have its own wrestling taping there. Um, oddly enough, like Hulk Hogan actually worked there a little later on, but this is like, like that was Hulk Hogan past his prime. Like this is prime mid-90s Hulk Hogan phenomenon. Signs with WCW who tapes their wrestling shows at Disney World. You know, and after that, because of that working relationship, you know, this company, WCW, gets more popular and more popular. It eventually is more popular than WWE and, you know, is, is averaging more live TV viewers than them. Um, and so they would have, like, special, like, events and, and shows at Disney World, at MGM. And uh, what a sight to see professional wrestling at Disney World. Something you would never see today, um, and which is why I think it's forgotten. They've kind of erased that from their history uh, you won't see, see anything like that. You won't see Hulk Hogan on any other stuff. If you notice at the uh, great movie ride, the Chinese theater, they had Hulk Hogan's like handprints 
uh, in the cement there. But had to be on my list. Professional wrestling at Walt Disney World, I think, is pretty forgotten and kind of crazy to think about now. But that's my number one. For my honorable mentions, I only had a few. Um, one of them here, Ellen DeGeneres, kind of in the same light as Drew Carey. It's a little weird to think about now how like Ellen DeGeneres was the star of a Disney attraction, uh, Universe of Energy at Epcot. Now, this one's a little more recent and she was a little more beloved. Um, you know, there's been some stuff that came out about her as a person in the last few years, which I think has kind of tainted that. Um, but in the future, it'll be weird to kind of think back and look and be like, oh, wow, Ellen DeGeneres was in, you know, a Disney attraction with Bill Nye the Science Guy. That's a little weird. Um, another one I had was Lucky the Dinosaur. Now, this one, maybe you don't know. Lucky the Dinosaur was like this almost like life-size animatronic dinosaur that they premiered at Animal Kingdom. And it was a big deal. The fact that it was like an animatronic that could kind of walk around and move around with the crowd was a big deal. Like they promoted the hell out of Lucky the Dinosaur. And it's one of those things like it was huge for like maybe like a year or so, if that. Um, and it's not really talked about at all anymore. You know, it kind of the technology kind of caught up to it. And it's really not that um, crazy to think about anymore. Another one I had was Radio Disney. Um, I don't, is Radio Disney still a radio station? Like I know for me growing up in Chicago, it was pretty big, AM 1300. I actually called in, I used to call in all the time and one time I won a contest and I got a Jessica Simpson cassette, that's right. Um, but Radio Disney, they used to have like a live, um, you know, broadcast booth at Hollywood Studios right by the Drew Carey's Sounds Dangerous show there was a like their radio booth there, and uh, one of the main kind of uh, radio DJs. I don't remember. I think her name was like Phoebe or BB. She actually like recorded live from there, and you could walk up and you could wave to her. Sometimes uh, when she was off air, she you would be able to um, kind of talk to her. And then one time she like gave us like a guest book, and we you know you would sign your name and say where you were from. And I think she'd like give you a shout out on the air or something like that. But that was pretty cool, like a live radio station. You know, was taking place in the park during park hours with guests walking around. You know, there's a radio station broadcasting. So I always thought that was cool. But uh, that's pretty much all I have for my list. If there's ones I forgot, if there's ones you think I should have mentioned, let me know on Instagram. Send me a message. Um, you know, every week when I upload the podcast, I post, usually every week, I'll, I'll, I'll post like a story with a link. Uh, kind of promoting the episode. If you see that and there's something I forgot, uh, shoot me a message there. I, it was it was tough to think about. I mean, you know, it, once I once I thought of one, it kind of I kind of got on a roll. But uh, usually I come up with like 20 when I'm making a top 10. But that's all I got for this episode. Thank you guys as always for listening. Um, again, if you can rate, subscribe, review. Uh, if you write me a review, I'll give you a shout out on the very next episode. And head on over to my Instagram. Um, if you're not following me, follow me there. Shoot me a message. My DMs are always open. If you want to talk Disney, if you have ideas for the show, topics, suggestions, top tens, anything like that, shoot me a message there. You know, you can follow me on TikTok as well. I'm trying to make a push for 10,000 followers. I'm stuck at around like 8750. So I'm trying to get there. I'm pushing, guys. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, 
But yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I hope you guys had a good week. Another, you know, I was thinking about this when I started recording. Um, how I, I've just so, so missed Disney and I wish I could have, you know, been at Disney for Halloween. So hopefully next year, um, we'll be able to, me and my wife will be able to spend Halloween or Halloween time, uh, in Disney. You know, we had, uh, a pretty good amount of trick-or-treaters this year. I didn't see too many Disney costumes, a lot of Marvel, a lot of uh, Pokemon, a lot of scary ones, but not too many Disney ones. I was surprised. Um, another thing, too, my my mom sent me this this post on Twitter about um, people who lived in who live in Celebration, Florida, and how, I don't know if it's true or not, but the guy was posting out about how like it's in their HOA that they have to give out full-size candy bars. If that's the case, next Halloween, we're going to Mickey's Not So Scary, we're going to the Food and Wine, and we're going to Celebration to get some big-ass candy bars. <laughs> Alright, that's all I got, guys. Have a good week. Always remember, it all started with a mouse.